Thank you, Micah. And it is good to be here with you this morning. As Micah mentioned, I am Randy Nelson. And uh, I have to tell you, I'm really thrilled when uh, Pastor Franz called and asked to see if I would be interested to come and to, to preach while he was going to be away this, this Sunday. I've always been a fan of his. And uh, in fact, I even did my best to try to dress like him for you this morning. thought maybe I'd sneak that in. Uh, but it is. It's, it's great uh, to be here with you. Thank you, too, for you coming out. Uh, for those who are watching online may not be aware, here in, here in Minnesota, this is our first Sunday where masks are required all the time. For us up front, we don't have to, and so I'm really thrilled to be on this part of that. But thank you for, for doing that, for, uh, for wearing your mask, and for even, even being here with us this morning. Um, just a brief word. You've probably seen us around. I, as I said, I've been a fan of of Pastor Franz for a long time, and so when we got the call to move up here, uh, we've been attending here as regularly as we as we could. Uh, you probably saw this uh, pretty woman with me, Brenda. Uh, she's uh, we've been married; it'll be 35 years this fall, and we have <laughs> thank you, and we've got uh, uh, yeah blessings to her. She's she gets all the credit for that. Uh, we have six children, ranging in ages from 32 to 16. Our two youngest ones. Uh, uh, Eric uh, and Ben live with us. Eric is finishing up at Northwestern this fall, uh, Lord willing, and uh, and that they have classes and stuff. He's a good student. Uh, and then my 16-year-old son Ben uh, will be a junior, and we pray for him as well too. And so it's it's been good to be a part of the uh, uh, getting to know you here uh, at uh, Grace Free and and to be a part of uh, of this family here. Um, one of the neat things about being up at uh, headquarters is uh, I, I, I graduated from there 25 years ago, went to seminary, and things have changed, obviously, a lot since then. And what I found is that most of the staff are people I don't know anymore. That's obviously changed. And in fact, most of them know me better as my kids' dads. <laughs> Many of them uh, attended Bible school or Bible college with them. And so they know me as their dad. And so I'm kind of growing into this role of being a dad. And I'm, I'm working on, well, I've been a dad, but working on the, the dad part of that, uh, that role on, uh, like the other, uh, I guess, directors on campus as well, too. And so along with that, I've been working on my dad jokes. And, uh, my, and my, uh, my dad wasn't really big into that. He was more of a motivational speaker type. Uh, his his little things were like inch by inch or yard by yard the job seems hard, inch by inch the job's a cinch. Or uh, this stuff better be done. Your room better be clean by the time I get home from work today. That kind of motivational speaking. Um, but I am working on that. And one of the jokes, uh, I my new one uh, is uh, why did the uh, turkey cross the road? Because he thought he was a chicken. Yeah, I usually get that kind of response. But you know what? My grandson, Henry, loves that one, and he tells it even. And so uh, I'm quite proud of, of that one. Uh, one of the other jokes, or maybe it's not so much a joke, that my dad would tell, he is, uh, he'd say, cheer up. Things could be worse. So I cheered up, and sure enough, things got worse. <laughs> I think we could all relate to that a lot, can't we? In these days, um, 
You know, when we accepted the call to come, we came in March 1st. We finished. Uh, I'd been the pastor at St. Francis for eight and a half years. We left March 1st. We closed on our house. First time home buyers at the ripe age of 56. And, uh, and then 10 days later, all this happened. <laughs> the global pandemic, uh, all these other things that have occurred on and on. Um, and I'm so thankful for God's clear direction throughout uh, that has given us a real peace and assurance that this is where we're supposed to be. But still, it'd be hard not to say and maybe be a little bit concerned about what's going on. You know, there's no denying that these are troubling times. Uh, but I'm not going to go and list all those things for you uh, because you already know and, and I don't want to loose you. I don't want you to be worried about thinking about all those things. But it does lead us to a valid question, doesn't it? What do we do then with our worries? In the midst of all these things going on, what do we do when things actually continue to seem to to only get worse around us? And how do we deal with our emotions? How do we deal with our, our fears? How do we not let them become overwhelming? And how do we keep from losing hope, even as all these things continue to go on around us? Well, this morning, as we do acknowledge that we are living in troubled times, times that seem to only be getting worse, increasing our anxiety and even maybe creating fear about the future, we want to look at what God says to us about finding and resting in his peace even in the midst of troubled times. And as we look at this passage from Isaiah 40, it might help us to know a little bit about the context there. Because they, they've had some tough times too. This is speaking to literally the children of Israel living in captivity in, in Babylon. Uh, these were literally the children of Israel, Israel because most of those who were there in Jerusalem before when the exile, they were removed and taken back uh, back to Babylon, had passed by this point. Most of them wouldn't even remember Jerusalem. Uh, they had already died. Because after defeating the Jewish people, the Assyrians took most of those uh, remaining Israelite captives, especially the youngest and best and brightest, and brought them back to their homeland. And there they did everything in their power to wipe out their former beliefs and practices their language, and even changing their names in order to conform them into the Assyrian culture. And part of that was to, to break them of, of any thoughts of going back to their homeland, but also so that they wouldn't grow up and rebel against them. And we know a lot about that uh, life because of the book of Daniel, which is where we also see that the Assyrians sought to break their faith in Jehovah. In fact, you might even say that this exile was a thinly veiled effort on the part of the Assyrians to get the Jewish people to believe in their gods, to reject theirs, and to adopt their own. Now, if you think about that for a moment, it's quite interesting, especially thinking about our own world today. Because we see a lot of that happening today too, don't we? 
in our country, a country that was founded on Christian principles, and for most of its existence, it has been a Christian nation. But sadly, we have to acknowledge that that's no longer the case. The hard truth is that the United States is a post-Christian nation where there are several false religions seeking to replace Christianity, seeking to force us to give up our faith in the one true living God. And while we don't have time this morning to unpack all of that, what we do know is that there is a battle going on. And I think we're all painfully aware of that. And behind that, we know we have an enemy who is at work, stirring things up, creating and encouraging divisions within us and among us, and trying to wipe out what remains of our beliefs and values. And you know what? It would be easy for us, like those children of Israel who had been held in captivity all their lives, who had been in this beautiful city of Babylon with its impressive buildings and architecture, its powerful army and life of ease and false gods to give up on their God and to lose hope. It would be easy for us to give in to temptation and to believe that our God has forgotten us, like they probably did as well. To might even believe that, you know, our God is powerless today, powerless to overcome the forces gathered against his believers, against his church, against his promises. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at Isaiah's prophecy and promise here And I want you to note at least three reasons why we can have peace in troubled times. And the first is because our God is greater. We can have peace because our God is greater. Look at verse 25. It says, To whom will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? Who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one of these is missing. Let me ask you today, what is it that steals away your peace? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that that you struggle with? The most common answer, if we look at it, the bottom bottom root is it comes down to conflict. That there's those conflicts within us, conflicts in our relationships, conflicts in our lives, and conflicts in our worlds and the values and things we see there. And all of these are working to steal our peace And sometimes it's just worry. Sometimes it's just something that it just bugs us. It rides on us a little bit, fills our mind, steals our sleep. But 
as it continues to grow, and if it goes unchecked for too long, it, it grows into becoming anxiety. Our natural physical response to danger. We, we feel it, right? It, it, it dumps uh, those uh, chemicals into our systems and we, and we become stressed and anxious and it affects us in a lot of other not healthy ways. And on the unresolved anxiety, if it again isn't dealt with, shortly uh, can grow into debilitating fears and even worse. So how do we deal with conflict, especially when it grows into worry, into anxiety, and into fear? I love what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4. He says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do we deal with these things? We bring it to God and He gives us His peace. We deal with it by turning away from that conflict, by turning away from that thing that's creating these burdens with us, and we turn our eyes and focus on the living God. We find peace not by focusing on the problems, which I know it's hard, right? Because it keeps coming at us all day long and in many different ways. But we take our eyes off of those things that create that anxiety, that fear, and we turn our eyes, he says, to him to the incredible God who is far greater than any problem that you face. The children of Israel were there looking at a God they felt that had abandoned them. They saw this great and powerful kingdom around them. They had many gods, false gods, but they were there in front of them. They thought God had abandoned them and left them. To them, God says, who are you going to compare me to? These graven images, these these chunks of wood and, and fancy metal. Which of them are like me? He says, lift up your eyes on high. Yeah, these things are right here in front of us, but look up. Look to the heavens. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the, the, the planets and the galaxies. All these things that are in place. And placed by, by your God. In fact, he is the one who calls them out by name. And by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one of them is missing. That's, that's our God. That's who we place our faith in. Let me ask you, what conflict do you face that's greater than that? What worry, what fear do you have can compare? Look up, he says. We're talking about the God who sets the stars, planets, solar systems in place. The one who calls them by name. And we get shaken by what? We can have peace because our God is greater. 
Next, we can have peace in troubled times because he cares about you. Because he cares about you. Verse 27 says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by God. I think if we're honest with ourselves here, we've all felt like this. We've all felt like that, right? My way is hidden from the Lord. And not without cause, right? We've gone through difficult and hard things. We've had times where it's been hard. Just like these children of Israel had felt that the God of Israel had left them. We've all had those moments, right, where we felt like, my God let us down. Why would he let this happen? And you know what those thises are. Why didn't he save my dad or my son or my daughter or my wife? Why did he let my business fail? Why is he letting these things happen even now? What I want to assure you is that God doesn't step away especially in those moments, that he is there with us in every second of what we go through. There is no trial, no struggle, no loss that we go through, that he is not right there with us. And we can be sure of that. I'd like you to think about that. He is there with us, and he cares about us. He cares enough even to allow what is eternally best for us to happen. And it's even when we don't understand why or don't agree with it. Verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Unless, like us, he doesn't require rest or food. And his understanding of all things is perfect. It's a complicated word there, and you might have different translations in your Bible uh, the, the Kyle Nalish in their commentary say that the, the definition here is his course is pure understanding, possessing infallible criteria for determining the right point of time at which to interpose with his aid. He never leaves us. He never fails us. And at just the right moment, he does what is best and what is right. And he says he will give us that aid. He'll give it at just the right time if we will place our faith and trust in him. Verse 29 says, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases their strength. 
And believe me, he understands what it means to be in the heat of the battle. He knows what it is to suffer. In fact, no one has suffered more for you than he has. Laying down his life in payment for your sin. Because he knew that he could trust himself to the Father. He went to the cross because he trusted that his plan was best. And because he knew that in doing so, the greatest good would be accomplished. Even even at such high a cost. And even though he couldn't see it yet. We can have peace in troubled times because we can be certain that God cares about us. Finally, we can have peace in troubled times because of his promise to take care of us. In verse 29, God promises he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youths grow faint and weary. And young men fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord, they will renew their strength, he promises. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And he will do that. Especially at our deepest moments, at, at those times when we need it the most. And many of you probably have had those experiences. Maybe you've had those times at your lowest when God has been there. When you have felt his spirit to sustain you, to care for you, to give you strength and to carry you through those hard times. You know, one of the clearest messages in the scriptures is that God's promises can be trusted. That whatever he says, he will do. That his name, his word, his promises are a reflection of his nature and character. And therefore, if he were to be unfaithful in any one of those, in any way, he would not be who he is. He would cease to be God. He is incapable of falling short of his promises. And he declares to us that they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Which is why in troubled times, we can have his peace. Peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense to the world. And it comes when we look to him. When we look at him and not the conflict. 
the struggle, the trial, the worry we're facing. We can have his peace by trusting in him. By trusting in who he is. His nature, his character, his commitment to us. And his love for us seen so clearly, most clearly, through the cross. Waiting on him. Trusting in him. Because he is the very definition of faithfulness. And resting in his promises to you. That he will never allow to fail. Friends, let me ask you. In these troubled times. In these confused times. In your heart of hearts, who are you trusting? Where have you placed your trust in these days? Who or what are you placing your confidence in in these uncertain times? Who is it that you're looking to? You know, if there's anything that these days have taught us with so many memes of people expressing and telling us stuff and hearing information, that a lot of people say a lot of things. But if we're honest, there really isn't much else out there to place your full faith and trust in. Let me challenge you this morning to place your faith and trust in Jesus. Trust in him who is greater, who sets the stars and the heavens in place. Look up and see and be reminded of his great power, but also the one who loves you, who went to the cross and died for you. Trust in his forgiveness of your sins. Trust in his promise of eternal life. But don't forget that you are to trust in him now and today in this life. Trust him today. Trust him in these troubled times. He is able, he cares. And he will not let you down. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we confess these are tough times, hard times. But we are so thankful that we have a God who is greater. Lord, who, who cares for us and who has given us his word. I pray for each one here and who would hear our voice. Or that they would place their full faith and trust in you today. Believing you are who you say you are, and that you will do what you say you will do. In your name we pray. Amen.